Welcome back to Desire Made Real, a discovery of witches podcast, where we recap every episode of the television show spoiler free. I am one of your hosts, Mandy Kay, and when I'm not talking about Matthew and Diana, I'm probably watching or reading some other vampire-related fiction because it's not going to be nonfiction, right? I, I mean, I guess that depends on your beliefs. Fair uh, enough. Fair enough. Uh, and I'm Caitlin, and when I'm not talking about Discovery of Witches, I'm usually talking about a different Bad Wolf show on my other podcast about his dark materials, because apparently I only watch Bad Wolf shows now. I I think that's okay. Yeah. I enjoy them, so like they took my two favorite book series and made them into tv shows just for me just for you i think it's wonderful awesome right so each week going forward we will recap one episode spoiler free we will also include a segment at the end to discuss the books and how well the adaptation is working and we will likely dive into spoilers there but don't worry we'll give you plenty of warning before we get there Episode one of season two was written by Sarah Dollard and directed by Farron Blackburn, who I think we can all agree has the best name ever. Farron That's a pretty Blackburn. great name. Yeah, that's a pretty great name. And yeah, hey, we're back. It's season two. Woohoo. We are back. It has been a long, long time waiting for season two. It has. Now, um, everybody... I think is getting all the episodes all at once, all 10 episodes. Yes. Question mark. Is it 10 or is it eight? It was eight last season. I feel like they were adding two more for season two and doing 10. Okay. Okay. So then it's 10, 10 episodes. We're going to go with that. Okay. Uh, so everybody's getting all 10 episodes at once, but we are still going to do week to week because recording 10 episodes of a podcast and editing them and releasing them all at once is a lot of work. Yes, especially when you can only start like three weeks before drop date. <laughs> yes, but I'm excited to be back with season two. Season two, yes. Which picks up immediately after season one. I was actually a little surprised by that. Yeah, we are immediately in the Bishop House with the congregation. And we have my favorite thing, Gerbert just knowing that they time traveled. Because... Fiction? I guess. Exposition. We need to move things along. It's just like, oh, they're not here, but their clothes are here. Why would they need to change clothes? They must be time traveling. Yep. It's great. Like, I guess the bad guys had to know what, were what was going on just as much as the good guys. So that's fine. But I love that the one who is not a witch was the one who was like, yeah, they time traveled. Witches can do that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's great. I love his line, though. He's just like, well, luckily, I'm a very patient man. I do love that dynamic that vampires are just like, we can wait. It's fine. And, right? you know, mortals are like, actually, that's kind of a problem for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this opening sequence, it's probably maybe 30 seconds long, is the only time in the first episode that we are in present day the rest of it takes place in 1590 which i also found fascinating i do like how they did that because i think we need to orient ourselves you know mm -hmm. since season one was all modern day and now we're like nope london 1590 that's what this season is yeah well and it it sets you up to wonder how they're gonna manage both timelines 
or even if they're going to try, they're going to have to try because that's why I think that's why they opened up with Satu, Peter, Knox, and Gerbert yeah. to show us that there are still people in the present actively looking for them. So what is that going to look like? And I'm really, really curious to see how they're going to do that in future episodes. I've watched ahead, so no comment. <laughs> of course you have. I tried really hard to like restrain myself and I haven't gone ahead yet, but I'm as soon as we're done here, like episode two is happening. Um, so then we get a glimpse of some witches in 1590 and they speak about expecting a witch. It's probably Diana because this is a, a TV show. Mm-hmm. And- well, and mm-hmm. I mean, they're not subtle with their cues either. Yeah. Um, the old woman says she will arrive this night, our fierce witch, and we immediately cut to Diana and Matthew appearing in the middle of the street. Oh, oh, this scene I love that they appear in the middle of the street, because if you recall, at the end of season one, we spent a good amount of time, because there's that scene in the last episode of season mm-hmm. one where Diana, like they tried to end season one on a cliffhanger, and she like whips her head around and gasps, but behind her, you can see what looks like candles and uh, what looks like the door at Matthew's house, the old lodge. And we were like, so they must have made it because blah, blah, uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. And that scene. And then in season two, either they weren't doing anything there to hint at that or they just dropped that and were like, nope, they're landed in the middle of the street in London. Nowhere yeah. near the old yeah. lodge. <laughs> I think they just dropped it because, yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking that too. I was like, nothing in that scene looks like, because we spent some time analyzing that scene, like looking at screenshots mm-hmm. and like, what did they, did they give us hints? Like we knew because of the books, obviously that they did make it, but like, what was the show trying to tell us? And it was all just a red herring because they just landed in the middle of the street. Yeah. But miraculously, while it was 60 miles away from where they intended to be at the lodge, it was literally only a few doors down from his house in London. I mean, you can say fate had a had a hand to play in it. Probably. I mean, they don't go super into the mechanics of how Diana's time travel works between season one and, and season two. Mm-hmm. But I imagine having both of them thinking about a familiar place. Yeah. Probably is, is what had them end up in a semi-familiar place kind of in the middle yeah. maybe I, I mean like obviously it was the show just wanting to get things moving along but I find in stories like this you can always just sort of make it work in your head so it didn't yeah. bother me and then we have opening credits we have opening credits which absolutely gorgeous opening credits they were I love that they were kind of blue mm-hmm. and that they had really recognizable like shots and I uh, I'm coming up with the word themes, but that's not right. But like there was a lot of overhead circles and just the look of it was really good. And they used music that resembled the musical cues from last season. So you were really right Mm -hmm. back into it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because I actually had to go back. I was thinking, what did the season one credits look like? Because I couldn't remember. And it's because season one didn't have opening credits. No, that's where we got our, our ending from, our stinger. Yeah, yeah. So every episode of season one had the, it begins with absence and desire, it begins with blood and fear, it begins with the discovery of witches, and then it just, bam, into Matthew's voiceover. Yeah. And then that's it. There were no credits. I mean, and and at that point, they did put, like, the actors' names kind of over the opening shot of the episodes. Yeah. But to have proper opening credits makes it feel 
a little more high value production maybe i don't know it's just it's an odd choice because a lot of shows choose not to do opening credits because they're going to be airing on television and that gives them you know 30 seconds extra of showtime mm-hmm. but if you're streaming and you're not uh what's the word you're not beholden to fitting into a time slot right it doesn't really matter so maybe that's why they did it Maybe they just made more money in season one than they were expecting. And they were like, well, let's put it somewhere. <laughs> Maybe. Either way, I really enjoyed the mm-hmm. opening credits. I liked them also, other than we don't get uh, Matthew doing his voiceover, which I always enjoyed. I miss the voiceover, but I understand why we don't have it in season two, because it was an introductory voiceover. Mm-hmm. You know, introducing us to the creatures and we are firmly entrenched into this world in season two and we don't need that like primer anymore yeah agreed all right and then we're into the house and we very quickly have matthew referred to as royden and christopher marlowe is staying in his house plus these two other strangers what is (laughs) happening who are these people I have no idea who these people are, but Diana is the lady of the house. Oh, yes. Very quickly introduced as his wife, which... Mistress Royden. Yes. I like our introduction to Kit here because it's so immediately aggressive. Mm -hmm. Like he opens the door and sees Diana because Matthew's wandering around wondering why the house is so quiet because it never is. And Kit just appears super aggressively and confronts Diana. Who the hell are you? Mm -hmm. Right? And he's like, you're a witch. Oh, my God. You've bewitched Matthew. Not to jump ahead, but I love every single scene with Kit in it in this episode. Like, I don't enjoy Kit as a character. I think he's an asshole. But Mm -hmm. the actor is playing that so well. And he was written so well. Oh, yeah. And it's so good. Uh, Like, he's such a... uh. He, He brings alive... He brings to life this idea that Kit loves Matthew. Mm-hmm. Whether it's romantic or platonic, it doesn't matter. He loves Matthew. He cares for Matthew. He genuinely cares for Matthew's well-being. And even though he's super aggressive and kind of an asshole in every scene, the way it's played, it's done from a place of looking out for Matthew. And you can see it. And I think that's what makes me appreciate his character more. Mm-hmm. Because in in the book and I know we don't we're not supposed to talk about the book here we're supposed to do it later but in the book he just mostly came across as an asshole yeah I okay so it has been probably since we recorded season one since I read book two uh Uh yeah me too I'm I'm in the middle of book one in my reread and I was hoping to finish book two before we started recording but 2020 is a year so (laughs) um so it just hasn't happened yet um so if I, I don't remember Kit and Diana ever having the opportunity to have like a heart to heart. And in this episode, they have a moment where they get to sit down and talk to each other. And that alone, while it doesn't make me feel great about Kit because he's still a jackass, I just like yeah. how they're portraying him. Yeah, I think um, Tom Hughes just knocks it out of the park playing this character and is going to make it. Like, I think some episodes I'm going to like Kit and some episodes I'm going to hate him. And I think that's the mark of a fantastic actor. Yeah. I, I think that's how we're supposed to feel about Kit. We also meet Francoise there, 
who is one of the other strangers that come running downstairs. And the other guy who lives there, whose name I don't remember from the book, and it's never spoken in this episode, but there's another servant living in this house. He has a name. Uh, he does, and it's an old-fashioned name. I I was getting ready to say it's like Ferdinand, but I don't know that it's another F name. I can't remember. We'll find out, hopefully, in a, in a future episode. Right now, he's just another presumably a vampire, but... I would think so. And then we've got Matthew and Kit talking on the porch. They probably don't call it a porch. Yeah, the layout of this house was so weird to me. I don't know... Like, where was that? It was like a weird courtyard with, like, catwalks around it. It didn't entirely make sense to me. It fit in every period piece I've seen from that period, so it must be a thing, you know? It must be a thing, yeah. Everybody's got balconies over their alleys or whatever. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And Kit still is insisting that Matthew has been bewitched by Diana. Yeah, and, like, putting yourself in Kit's point of view, it all makes sense. Like, he was just in Scotland, and back then you couldn't just snap your fingers and be back from Scotland, right. you know? Well, and plus, Matthew's hunting down witches. He hates witches, and suddenly he shows up married to one. Yeah. And we do get our, our first mention of a character named Gallo Glass. We do. So, so quick, like, blink and you miss it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Gallo Glass is coming. So that's exciting. Um, we did skip over one thing that I wanted to mention just because we hear the word more than once in this episode. Mm -hmm. But we learn that vampires were not called vampires yet. Right. In 1590, they are called weirs. Yes. I think the word vampire is more of an, like, came into being in the 1800 Or 18th century. Sure. So 1700s. Yeah. So makes sense that they use a different word. Although in book one, which I'm in the middle of, so that one I know a bit better. Uh, what is her name? Isabeau uses the word man just saying. So another mm -hmm. new word for vampire. And then we get Francoise dressing Diana. And I love this scene. Uh, it's mm -hmm. written very well. And it does a good bit where Francoise is almost immediately on Diana's side. And that puts us almost immediately on Francoise's side. I do not yes. know how to apostrophe S that name. <laughs> I, I think Francoise's is probably right. Sure. I'm going to, I'm I'm just going to go with it. Yeah. It's Francoise's. But yeah, I love it. Like you can tell she's, she's wary of Diana when she brings her these clothes, but she's doing it because Matthew has said to, um, you know, Diana even says thank you right away. And Francoise does doesn't acknowledge her in that moment and it's just like getting down to business you have to get out of that shift we're gonna get you dressed but as soon as she sees the scars on diana and asks her she's like who did that to you and you know diana says a witch did it and it is because of her and matthew and immediately francoise has warmed to her and is like i need to protect this little baby yeah which <laughs> right? which makes us know who francoise is and what she's mm -hmm. who she's gonna be so she very much reminds me of uh, Mart. Yeah. Just the 16th century version. It's weird to think that Isabeau and Mart are out there somewhere. Yeah, but we'll get there maybe in later episodes. Mm. Maybe. And then, so after Diana is dressed, we go down, back downstairs and we meet the School of Night. I definitely almost said Shadow of Night. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Henry Percy and Sir Walter Raleigh are in the house. Yes. And the School of Night is an actual thing that was with these Mm -hmm. people. And there was an actual historical person named Matthew Royden, who Mm -hmm. nobody knows anything about. So you can definitely see Deborah Harkness's historian-ness coming through here. Historian-ness. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's really great. And even, and you start to get the beginnings of Diana being like, whew. We're in the past. We're meeting people Mm -hmm. that I've read about. And it's really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, her realizing who he is in the past. Because he had never told her that he was Matthew Royden. Yeah. Right? And even though he was introduced, like, in the episode as Master Royden, you know, we didn't expect you to be here. Like, it doesn't click with her. Yeah. Until she hears these names. And she's like, oh, my God, you're Matthew Royden. Yeah, it's good. I, that's my favorite part of this episode. Whenever Diana is like, history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so back to Henry Percy and Walter Raleigh. Mm-hmm. I love that they immediately don't recognize Diana's accent. Mm-hmm. Because her accent, of course, is from America. Modern America, yeah. <laughs> Modern America. Um, although listening back to it, I my ears don't detect a significant difference in everybody's accents. So I've heard actually that like the 1500 accent of England probably would have been very similar to what current sort of American accents mm. are. So maybe they did that on purpose that they lightened up their English accents for lack of a better term. Who knows? That makes sense. That does make sense. I feel like Matthew's English accent, and again, maybe this is on purpose, goes back and forth. Like, because in the, the next morning scene, when they're in bed talking, he sounds really English. But when he's mm-hmm. talking to the other men, he, he sounds like them. It's kind of mm-hmm. light, English light. I don't know. Yeah. Um, then we immediately jump into kind of some of the exposition reminding us why they went back in time. Matthew asks for help finding a teacher for Diana. And Diana explains they're looking for the book. And I have to say, I love this scene. I love Matthew's face. Every time Diana speaks in this scene, yes. because Diana's just like, I'm not a meek woman from the 17th century. I am a full grown American woman and I will do whatever the fuck I want. Yes. And he's just like, I'm going to let her do her. <laughs> and it's it's wonderful because clearly the men in the room are kind of taken aback that she speaks so confidently. Mm-hmm. And Matthew's just like, I'm going to let her do her. Yeah. When... I think it's Kid who says, if it exists, the book. And she's just like, it exists. That, mm-hmm. that was good. Um, I I will say, I wish they had gotten an actual hard of hearing actor for Henry Percy. Uh, like this actor does do a good job, but I feel like that was an opportunity missed to give mm-hmm. somebody work who probably doesn't get much acting work. Yeah, I, I went and I looked him up because I was wondering, mm-hmm. is he actually hard of hearing Um there's not much out there about Adam Sklar because this is his first on-camera role. Yeah. Um, he's more known for um, producing a video game, I think, named Fate, called Faceless. But it didn't... I, I never found a reference to him being hard of hearing, so I was assuming he's not. Yeah. So that's unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's doing a great job. Nothing against him, but missed opportunity, I feel. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, and then Matthew goes out. Because after traveling 500 years, the first thing, you, you don't want to sleep that off. You just want to get no. right back into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which seems, it just seems strange to me. 
Yeah, well, I mean, Diana thought it was strange, too. Yeah. She's like, you have to leave now? And, you know, he's all secretive and he's like, I have to reach out to people. I can't just be here and not be a part of things. And so right away he has to do it. And I love this moment because Diana is so super optimistic that tomorrow morning they're going to find her a teacher. They're going to find the book so fast and then they're just going to go home. Yep. Like this is going to be in and out done. Yep. And Matthew is all, I hope so. And then we cut to a cloaked and hooded Matthew walking down the street. Matthew Good was like made to act in period dramas. Everything he does is so dramatic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it was it's very good. Uh, and then Diana goes out. Yeah, I you know, I struggled with the scene. So I watched this episode three times mm-hmm. and you know, Diana so Diana goes to sleep when Matthew leaves and all of a sudden she's startled awake. But it's not clear what actually wakes her up. Like there's some weird magical music playing. And it's unclear if if she's actually hearing that. Um, right. You know, and, and so we're just watching her startle awake and then like creep through the house and then she's outside and then she sees this woman who has this glow around her. And so obviously we know, OK, there's clearly magic happening here. But but leading up to that, it was not super clear to me what the intention was. And then later we find out that Diana was like, my magic was luring me to her. And so I think we are supposed to assume that. Something was calling to her, and that's why she was, you know, woke up and was walking through the streets. But I, I was confused. She had her her Elsa moment from Frozen, <laughs> too. Is what I'm. Anyways, okay, didn't land. Moving on. <laughs> I haven't seen Frozen too. That would explain it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, then we quickly see that whoever this person is that she's following is played by the same actress who plays Sophie, which is always an unfortunate thing that television has to do. Because there's just no way to say they look so similar and have them played by two completely unrelated actors. Because we know that we all look exactly like our ancestors from 400 years ago. Yeah. But I mean, I really like that actress, so I don't mind. It's just, I always find it, and like, it pulls me out of TV. It's a, it's a... Uh, what's the word Uh, when you it's a suspension of disbelief that I personally Mm. can never get to I think sometimes that's true but in this case her her face she holds herself Mm. so the actress's name is Ashling Loftus yeah and she carries herself so differently as this 15th century 16th century 1590 16th century yes (laughs) math is hard Um, the 16th century woman she carries herself so differently. Like her face is different because she's harder. She's much sterner um, than Sophie. Sophie is just so carefree and light and bubbly. And so because they're so different, I believe it. I I agree with you. I think she's doing a great job. I just am never going to not. I'm always going to think of her as not Sophie. Okay. <laughs> it, like Sophie I and just, not Sophie. I, I genuinely... What is her name? I have no idea. She's not Sophie. I don't remember. And IMDb doesn't have the cast up yet for season two. <laughs> I was looking to see. I'm relatively sure um, that they said her be. name in this episode. Did they? I thought they just called her the witch. Oh, maybe. I've seen more episodes where they do say her name and I have no idea. Ah, okay. I, I don't think they said it in this one. Great. Okay. So Matthew is angry. We get a lot of angry Matthew in this episode. We do. And... I like it. I love Ruthless Matthew. Mm-hmm. So 
they do a really good job in this episode of Matthew at the beginning of it being very like modern Matthew. Get a teacher, get the book, get home, get out of this place. And then slowly as he gets back into his life here, he's like, right, I'm a spy. I'm this. I'm, you know, I Mm -hmm. and he becomes more into his ruthless Matthew. And I love ruthless Matthew. And I love that Diana gets to see this part of Matthew and still choose to love him. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, God, Matthew Good is so good. God, we struggled with this last year. Yes, we did. <laughs> Matthew Good is so good. <laughs> and it's Matthew playing like, Matthew, which we also struggled with. So I am really excited for all this Matthew problems. <laughs> you know, when you look at Matthew Good just standing there as as Matthew, um, he looks so innocuous, so gentle, so innocent, so... Just kind of easygoing. Mm-hmm. And then you see his face sometimes. He just transforms into this super angry, aggressive, like, I will kill you with a look. Yep. And Matthew Good is just phenomenal at that. And he does it several times in this episode. And it progressively gets worse, I think, mm-hmm. to to your point, because he is becoming more and more like the Matthew of the past which Kit speaks to later in the episode. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's wonderful, but I love that Diana is having none of it. Right? She turns it around on him and she's like you don't get to yell at me about this stuff because where were you last night? You wouldn't tell me what you were doing and he's all it's not the same. I can't protect you and like I think my favorite line from the season 2 trailer and from this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, is in this scene because Diana just flat out says, you don't protect me, Matthew. We protect each other. That is very good. And it's very Diana. Because mm-hmm. all throughout the first season and, and the first book, too, she's she's very much like, no, this is what I want. This is what we're doing. Take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that yeah. she's not losing that about herself yeah. being in the 16th century, especially since we just had the scene where, you know, Kit was being an asshole, but even... Walter agreed she shouldn't leave the house because she's going to draw too much attention to herself because her accent is differently. She doesn't behave like a demure 17th, 16th century woman. (laughs) Let's just say all the centuries. All the centuries, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, Diana doesn't care. She's like, no, I am me. I'm going to be me. Matthew and I are equal. I don't care what societal norms say. And she just goes with it. Yeah, I love that about her, that she's that confident in herself. But I think that that also shows a confidence in Matthew. Because even if I were a historian and knew more than what I've learned from movies about the 1500s, I feel like it would be very easy to go back as a modern person and very quickly have people be like, what the fuck? This is a witch. Like, even if you're not a witch, you know, and then kill you. Yeah, yeah. But her confidence in being like, I can just do whatever I want. You know, Matthew will smooth it over or people won't touch me because of this. I I think Mm -hmm. it shows her confidence in herself and her confidence in Matthew. Mm -hmm. And Matthew doesn't actually try to stop her. I mean, yeah, he yells at her and gets angry with her, but then they have a conversation together and he doesn't, you know, the next scene really is he does take her out. Like he's not hiding her. Yeah. The morning scene is my favorite. Uh, it, it's a great scene, yeah. and it's so nice being juxtaposed next to this 
angry scene, right? Yeah. Because he's all, Matthew. And then we wake up and he's all smiling and, well, look at me. I have a reputation to protect. Yeah. That I love it's, because they're, they're normal nerd selves in that scene. Like They are, yeah. Matthew's so nerdy in that scene. And Diana's like, we get to go out. We get to see history. We get to do it. Oh, yes, please, right now. And... And then when Francoise is dressing her and you can see on her face that she's just like, somebody is dressing me in the 1590s. I'm going to write so much about this. <laughs> it's so good. I love that whole bit. Yeah, it just it turns from this dark, moody episode to this terribly exciting. Yeah. Like, what are we going to see next episode? And the the transition is absolutely wonderful. Yeah, and, and and we, or at least I talked a lot last year, last year, last season, about how, well, I talked about this with Matthew, but it's true of Diana, too, how they can both be warriors and have all mm-hmm. this power. But what they really want is to just be with their books. Yes. You know, they're both just nerds at heart. And I love that mm-hmm. about them, that they are so powerful and ruthless and and that sort of thing. But, like, also, please just leave me alone to read. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And her proper her first proper fifteen nineties outfit is blue. So we can't we can't let that go without mentioning it. That's true. I'm glad they did that. Yes. There's so much blue in this. It's I had forgotten how much we had talked about blue being her color last season. Mm -hmm. And then I when I saw the opening credits and I was like, Oh my gosh, there's so much blue. Oh yeah, blue is Diana's color. And so then to get to see it sprinkled in again is is nice it's very good i'm glad i'm glad they kept their their design i guess Mm -hmm. um and then just like a quick aside to the special effects i mean old saint paul's looks great looks like it's there yeah so actually i really wanted to talk about this because um we when we watched the panel at new york the new york comic-con virtual panel for season two um they did a little vignette on kind of like some behind the scenes special effects for season two and the set for season two of this street in London, they did not build fully. It's one story. All of those two and three story buildings were completely digitally added in Mm -hmm. and it looks phenomenal. I would never have known. Yeah. They did a really good job. Those buildings weren't actually there except, you know, you could, we saw it like on the screen, they showed us Mm -hmm. here's what it looked like in real life. And then they digitally added it. And it's just, it's amazing. They did a really good job. I, yeah. uh, I find special effects are best when you just don't notice them at all. And Mm -hmm. like you said, I, I wouldn't have even thought twice about the buildings and how they did that if we hadn't watched that panel. Yeah. I love the conversation that Matthew and Diana have here because one of the things, and it's so funny, I was, um, my husband was sitting on the couch watching with me mm-hmm. and he he was kind of in and out, wasn't really paying attention. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he looks up and he's like, you know, it probably really smelled bad. And I was like, dude, they literally just had a conversation about this <laughs> <laughs> because they address it. She's like, I always tell my students that it would have smelled really bad in the past. And and he's like, well, some places do. And she's like, not these parts. And I love that they address it because that is something that we always talk about Yeah, when we talk about the past is, well, they didn't have the same hygiene that we have now. And they just kind of dumped poop buckets in the street. And so it was awful. And they address it immediately up front here. And it, it gives us a reason to 
stay immersed in the beauty of 16th century London. Yeah. It's great. Love it. You got it right on the first try there. Did I? Yep. <laughs> um, awesome. And then as they're walking, I actually really love this bit because they, they Matthew sees somebody who knows him and he's like, oh, shit. And I just love that Matthew forgot that he was a spy. Yes. <laughs> like, he just wanted to be walking around with his almost wife, showing her the things that he knows she's really excited about. Yeah. But and then and almost immediately after when he's like, I have to go talk to this dude now. And but I have no idea if he's going to believe me. And he's like, what? Well, I remember like the broad strokes of my life. But what was I doing last week? I have no mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's great. Yeah. The way that he figures it out, though, I feel like is brilliant because Diane is like, well, why can't you just ask Kit? And Matthew's like, Kit already suspects that we're weird. I can't ask him what I was doing last week. Yeah. Right. And so Matthew goes to the tavern and finds a local and essentially tests him and is like, I'm looking for leaks in our ranks. Can you tell me what am I supposed to be doing? And the guy's like, this is a test, right? Yeah, that, that dude was so good. <laughs> Do we have any idea who that is supposed to be? His name is uh, Mr. Pole, oh, P-O-L-E. Okay. Um, but I don't know anything other than that because I looked him up because I wanted to know more and I was like Paul okay that well that's what I thought I heard him say and that's that's what it is but I don't know if we're gonna see him again um but he's very clearly part of the spy operation here in London right and is able to tell Matthew all of the things that he's heard that that Matthew's been doing up in Scotland yeah that was good which I thought was brilliant my note on this just says who is this dude in the tavern so I'm glad you actually looked into it Yeah. Well, so actually, so my question then is, so Matthew goes straight from there because now that he has the information to go see the man Mm -hmm. who he wouldn't tell Diana who this man was. This man's name is Lord Burley. Mm -hmm. I don't remember who Lord Burley is. So we can talk about that in spoilers, I think. Okay. Because they've what they've done here. Well, I will say briefly, they've streamlined the book Mm -hmm. because if you recall, when the book starts. They're not in London. They're in uh, they're in the lodge outside of Oxford. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, well, and then some stuff happens. And then they come back. And then they go to London. And so what the show has very smartly done is streamlined it all, put them in London. And then, and so some stuff that's happening here happened later in the book. Okay. Okay. Um, it's been a while since I've reread the book, um, which is probably good so that I'm not confusing details. But I just don't remember Lord Burley like I thought it was a different character until he said his name right um and so in this scene we learn that Matthew was up north on Lord Burley's order that he's doing this work creating chaos among the witches on Lord Burley's order Mm -hmm. but we don't learn much more than that and also a good thing to keep in mind is that the book is all from Diana's point of view so we wouldn't have seen scenes like this anyways oh that's uh, thank you for reminding me but we do and then while he's away is with with his meeting with Lord Burley, Diana gets back into her favorite pastime, snooping. Yes. And she finds all of Matthew's hidey holes in this house. Yes. And so then we sort of find out about, he, she finds a, a note from the queen calling him my trusty shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that we didn't get until much later in the book. So, and and she sort of discovers his spy life just as he is entering back into it. And I thought that that was a good Good way to bring that all yeah. together. I like the way it cut back and forth between the two. Yeah. Two scenes. That was nice. 
And then we, she also finds the room where he hides his Catholicism. Yes. So I feel like this is around the time when England kept switching back and forth uh, from Protestant to Catholic and not in like mm-hmm. a good way, but in a let's kill these people and make it Protestant. Let's kill these people and make it Catholic way. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the Protestants were in charge, you super duper did not want to be a Catholic at the time. Yeah. So in this time period, Matthew is a Catholic, but is hiding it so that he can turn in other Catholics to be killed. And as as we learn when he comes back, that's all on Philippe's orders that he was supposed to come in and get in, get trusted by the crown so that he could spy on what yeah. was happening for Philippe. So Matthew is like a double spy, I guess, because he is a royal spy who is turning in Catholics and, you know, being close to the crown. But he's also doing this other thing for Lord Burley where he's going after witches as well, which is obviously not on the orders of the crown. It's like he's just got his fingers in a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Lord Burley works for Queen Elizabeth. Like, I think he is her spy master, basically, or real world equivalent. Okay. I've read too many fantasy books. Okay. So he yeah. probably works for him knowingly by the queen, whatever. But because this dude knows about creatures, he's got him on like two different tracks. Yeah. And we get our first hint that Philippe is alive and that Matthew is maybe like, he's in France. It's fine. We won't see him. It's mm-hmm. fine. Everything's fine. But as his casting has been announced, we all know that's a load of hooey. Yep, we will see Philippe soon, hopefully. All right, then we move on to the Sophie lookalike witch is brought in to test Diana. And Diana's lost the little bit that she had learned. Right. It's it's an odd scene. Mm-hmm. And I'm not entirely sure, just having watched it. Um, so the witch is clearly terrified, and I'm assuming that's because Matthew's a vampire. Um, but So she insists Diana's not a witch, just as I suspected. Um, and Matthew's like, don't lie to me. You don't want me to be your enemy, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so she agrees to actually test her. And then Diana can't can't light candles. And, you know, one of the things that we loved so much at the end of, of season one was the delight that she had whenever she learned how to light the candles. And she lit all of the jack-o'-lanterns. Yeah. And, and here she's trying so hard to light the candle and she can't do it. And so this woman is just like, see, you don't have any power. You're not a witch. And then she kills some fruit and everyone's real freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd probably be freaked out, too. I mean, it's not just magic, though. Like, what's her face was floating a bell and there was candles going on and off. And then suddenly some other magic happened and everybody's like, ooh, evil. Yeah. But I mean, I, I understand it because that's more of the power of death. Than anything else, at least that's how they would perceive it. Right, right. She just turned this fruit, which technically would already be dead because it's been plucked off the tree. But you know, she sped it along and, and turned it into rot. And and so I can understand why in the 16th century that would be super fearsome. So yeah. this this witch then runs away in fear. Uh, so Diana chases after her and. This witch, I'm just going to call her Sophie because I don't have another name for her. Mm-hmm. Um, Sophie exactly. calls Matthew Diana's husband. And that's interesting because that means somebody's been talking. Right. Okay. I didn't even really take note of that because I was like, she's living with a dude. Of course, they're just going to assume. But they wouldn't. Oh, well, yeah, I guess they would. Hmm. But then we meet but Jack, no. who's so cute. 
Oh, then we meet Jack. I was so excited to meet Jack. And I know that doesn't mean anybody to anything to anybody who hasn't read the books. But I texted you immediately yes. with Jack. I was like, oh, my God, it's Jack. Yes. And I, I love Jack. This is another instance where I'm glad that they streamlined the book because you don't meet him until later in the book. And mm-hmm. it just gives an opportunity for us to meet all the characters as early on as possible and really get get everything gelled together, like get the ensemble gelled together. Mm-hmm. And I love how they've done that. Yeah. Um, and this kid who plays Jack is utterly adorable. His yes. accent is adorable. It's... <sighs> I, I just love him. I want to, like, wrap him up in a hug and feed him and take care of him. And it's it's adorable. And this goes to show another uh, bit of the dynamic between Matthew and Diana. Because Matthew is immediately like, or Diana decides she can get some information out of this kid. And Matthew's kind of about it. But then Diana mm-hmm. gets exactly the information they needed. Yeah. Yep. They find out um, who's been talking about Diana because this kid who's a pickpocket on the street knows, you know, because he li- he's been listening and hears things. And unfortunately, it turns out that it has been Kit who has been talking about Diana. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. And uh, Matthew goes to confront Kit and is very, very aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um you know, that's a running theme in this episode. When Matthew talks to anybody who isn't Diana, he's very aggressive, um, confronts him, and Diana intervenes and, you know, is like, you're going to kill him. He can't breathe. You have to tell him the truth. And I I love that moment because that shows that Diana isn't turned off by Kit because Matthew and Kit are such close friends, mm-hmm. right? And she wants to preserve that relationship, and she doesn't want to be the reason that that relationship is torn apart. Yeah. And so she she steps in and she's like, no, you have to tell him the truth. And I, I love it. It's great. I love this idea that Matthew has is always good friends with a demon. He just like finds one demon and he's like, yep, you're my friend for your life. I'll choose a new one afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Because he's got what's his face in the modern time. I'm not going to remember his name. Hamish, right? Hamish. Hamish. Thank you. It's great. And yeah, I love Matthew's ruthlessness here. And I love that Diana's just like, look, we just have to tell him we're, we're not going to have any peace. And I also like that she's trying to, you know, make peace between herself and Kit. Mm-hmm. Not that it works, but she tries. No, but she tries. Yeah. She absolutely tries. And, you know, Kit doesn't immediately believe them, but does kind of see some reason and asks, well, if this is true, where is the Matthew that belongs in this time period? Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm really glad they asked that question in episode one. Yes. Um, the answer is not great. The answer is we don't know. <laughs> we assume he's been displaced. I mean, that's as much information as we got in the book, really. Yeah, it is. Um, but I am glad they at least asked the question. Yeah. Yeah, that if you haven't read the books, you're not sitting there thinking, is he still up in Scotland? Like, could they run into him? So that's nice that they cleared that up. Yeah. And then Matthew was called upon to perform his powers of persuasion, as Lord Burley called them. Good old torture. Everybody loves some torture in their period dramas, right? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, this guy who is the prisoner in the cell, like, I don't have any idea who he is. Like, he really didn't have any speaking lines. All he did was scream. Mm -hmm. But his screams were so good. I'm sure there must be, like, actors out there who make their living doing that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like the same way that there's actors who make their living just playing monsters because they've got a, you know, they're tall and skinny and look weird. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, he absolutely nailed it. Yeah. Like it was bone chilling to hear his screams of pain. Yeah, it was. He was good. That whole scene was great. And I love I love Diana and Kit getting like almost a heart to heart. And this speech that they put in by Kit is so interesting because the way he says it, it does bring to mind exactly how Matthew and Diana's relationship uh, built in season one. And saying mm-hmm. this here implies that Matthew does this a lot throughout his life. You know, he finds someone special and makes them feel special and then, you know, has a relationship with them, whether that be romantic or not. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting because the show is then setting itself up to prove how and why Diana is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's not like this isn't the first time we've seen that. Like, you know, obviously he's kind of done this with Kit. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's done it, you know, like you said, he always has a demon friend. So he's done it with Hamish. He did it with Juliet, even though Juliet was set up by Gerbert. Mm-hmm. Still the same thing. Like Matthew took her in and they had that special relationship for a while. Um, so they're just reinforcing this idea that we've seen of Matthew in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but Diana's like, with respect, you don't know me. So she's special. I do like that, but I... <sighs> I hope that they do follow through on that, though, and prove that Diana is different. And they don't mm-hmm. just leave this as a plot point that's dangling, you know? Yeah. And and I like, I mean, Matthew's 1,500 years old. Obviously, he's had so many relationships. Like, you wouldn't go through that long without relationships yeah. with people, obviously. And so I, I, like that, I like that that's in there, but I hope that they follow through on it. Yeah. The other thing that's happening in this... Uh, final scene is we're cutting back and forth between Kit and Diana talking and Matthew at the tower cell. The to- yeah. Yeah. There we go. The tower. Um, and Kit starts telling <laughs> or dungeon maybe. Well, I, I have no, idea. I just know that at one point I assume they in the London tower. I probably, yeah. Well, probably cause it was the Royal seal. Yeah. So this is a Royal prisoner. Um, But Kit starts telling Diana, you know, well, if the things that you have said are true, you know, somebody needs to warn you. You know, your Matthew is obviously more gentle than the Matthew of this time. And if he steps back into this world and becomes the Matthew of this time, you are not going to recognize him anymore. We cut to Matthew participating in torture, and then we fade to black. And then we get what I think is... The weirdest choice in this whole episode, because it's a next on, except it's all going to be streaming. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, they release it all at once and they still give us here's what's happening on the next episode. Do you think they're going to cut that out or? Probably not. Yeah, because it kind of worked with the music that they put on there, which if anybody knows who's singing that song, oh, my God, please, please tell me. Yeah, it's well, and it's such an interesting choice because so. Music, particularly vocalized and lyricized music, was so important in season one. Yes. And we talked about it a lot. And this episode did not have that except for this song that doesn't start playing until on the next episode. And then we get it through the end credits. I actually really like that choice because I do think if they played like modern music over the 1590s stuff, it would seem odd. Yeah, it would be very, 
Which is anachronistic? Yes. I mean, any music that's playing is anachronistic, but it it would just seem out of place. But um, putting it where it was over the next on and then into the credits makes it so that they can still use music for the mood without having it completely take you out of the 1590s. Mm -hmm. So I like the choice. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, so I... I'm so excited about season two after having watched this episode. I feel like they've kicked it up a notch Mm -hmm. Um, between season one and season two. The production values, the writing, the acting, like everything is just better. I agree. Not that season one wasn't great, but season two just feels phenomenal. And I'm so excited. Yeah, the premiere of season one ended on what for me anyways was that really awkward scene at the docks where... He tells her to walk away slowly, and it mm-hmm. was kind of eh for me. Like, I I didn't like that scene at all. I didn't mm-hmm. have a single scene like that in this episode. Everything was great. Everything was acted wonderfully, written wonderfully. Mm-hmm. The music was wonderful. Like, I don't have a single complaint about this episode. Yeah. I feel like season one was, particularly the first half of season one, mm-hmm. they were still, you know, searching for their footing trying to figure out how to bring this world to life in a way that makes sense and is engaging. And by the end of season one, they had gotten there, I think. And now we're firmly entrenched in it. And it's just wonderful. Like, I never, when I watched the season one premiere, the first time I watched it, I was disappointed. Okay. And I can't imagine being disappointed in any episode in season two. I like that you were disappointed and then you agreed to do a podcast with me. That's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I did. Um, because I love the book so much. Gotcha. Um, and I, I just, I knew it had, with Deborah Harkness being so involved, I knew it had to get better. And it did. It absolutely did. Right. Um, but season two is just beyond anything that we saw in season one. And and I've only seen the first episode, so I, I can only assume it gets better. Yeah. No, everything was so good. They, they must have more money this season. Like, because mm-hmm. the costumes were great. The special effects were good. The Everything was so good. Mm-hmm. I can't wait, though, to see. Like, I, as much as I love that this episode was entirely, other than that that very first opening scene, this episode was entirely in the 16th century, mm-hmm. I can't wait to catch up with our modern-day counterparts. Like, I want to see Isabeau. I want to see Sarah and Emily. I, I can't wait. They were in the next dawn, so. Yes. Sarah and Emily they were. were. So hopefully we'll see them. And I can't wait to be introduced to Marcus and Phoebe. Well, we know Marcus, but Phoebe is coming. Mm-hmm. Because we know she was cast. I can't wait just to see them together. It's going to be so good. This is why you should have watched ahead because I've seen all these things. I know. I know. <laughs> but if I had watched ahead, I would have gotten so confused and trying to keep all my thoughts straight. And I didn't want to be confused. No, that's fair. Know, I'm honestly proud of myself that I was only like, wait, does this happen later one time when we were talking yeah. about this? So. But I also took super detailed notes. Like the third time I watched it is when I took my notes and I took super detailed notes about what was happening in each scene mm. so that I can start to move ahead. Right, right, and right. And as long as I do this for every episode, I'll be fine when we talk about it. Yes. Ugh, I'm excited for the rest of the season. All right. So let's let's move into our spoiler section then. So if you guys haven't read the books, don't want to be spoiled, stop listening, but come back next week. So I think this is mostly going to be your section because you've read ahead and you are currently rereading the series. Yeah. <laughs> it's been so, so long since I've read it, but. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've read the book also. So um, Percy, not Percy, um, Burley, 
Jesus, that's going to be annoying. Um, he, I think in the book, we did not meet him until the very end when they come back from uh, Bohemia or whatever that is. Prague? Sure. In the show, they... No, am I allowed to talk about show spoilers in this section or only book spoilers? You can talk about show spoilers. Okay, so, so far up to episode four in the show, they've only called it Bohemia. So I'm just going to go with that. Um, They don't meet him until they come back and they see the queen. And he's with that in that audience with the queen that they have. And but that's when we find out that Matthew's been seeing him all along and doing spy work for him. So they have okay. really streamlined the book here. Like, Yeah, I was thinking that it was Father... What's his name? Hubbard. I want to say Andrew, and then I want to say Hubbard. So I don't know which one it is. I think Andrew's his first name. Okay, so so, so I'm right in both ways. Yeah. So yeah, I thought the whole time, until he said his name, I was like, is this... Are we talking about Father Hubbard at this point? Because he was like, he's an associate of Kits and... No. Next, next episode is Hubbard. He, okay. We saw him in the, in the next one also. He's got that long, straggly hair. Mm, okay. Um. Yeah. So, so in the book, they go to the lodge, and then they go to France, and then they come back to London, and then they go to Bohemia, and then they come back to London. In this one, we're in London, and then we're going to go to France, and then we're going to go to Bohemia, and then presumably we're going to come back to London. So they have okay. really just streamlined it. Streamlined yeah. it. That's awesome. I like it. I like it a lot. I, I, there are so many things that I hope we get to see. But I don't know that we will. Like, is Jack going to be as big a part of their family as he was in the book? Like, I really hope so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want... I can probably give you an answer, but I'm not going to. I'll let you wait. Okay. On and how much, like... I don't know. You know what? I'm not even going to ask my questions okay. because I'm going to go... We're going to watch it. We're going to see what happens. Wait, it's going to be great. You can say what you're looking for as you go forward. <laughs> Like, I'm just hoping that we get so much more, like, soon of Diana finding her teacher and learning about who she is and why. Yeah, Um, because in the book, they didn't find, they didn't even really start looking for witches until they came back from France. Right. Which was insane when you're reading it and you're like, this is what you came back for. Why aren't you doing it? Well, but in the book, he got summoned back to France so quickly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I find the first time I read book two, I almost didn't like it because of how long everything took. Because I, too, thought they were going to go back in time, boom, 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 get what they needed, get back to the present, have our present plot continue. But since, so I found it so frustrating that they spent the whole book in the past. But upon rereads, I actually really like book two because I'm expecting it. If that makes sense. And I, I like oh, yeah. how it all plays out and how they use all this time to form their relationship, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, book two is my favorite of the three books, for sure. And I'm I'm hoping it remains so after after they bring it, you know, the show. Yeah. After they bring it to life. I think it will based on how season two has started. But I'm just, I'm looking forward to finding more about Jack, Diana, and Philippe's relationship. Yeah. Um, Gallo, God, I can't wait for Gallo Glass. That's going to be so amazing when he does show up. Yep. And there's there's just so many things coming that I hope stay in the show. Do you remember? Do we ever see Francoise in modern times? Because she's a vampire, right? 
She is a vampire. Like, do we ever see her again? Because I would really like that. I loved her in this episode. Like, we got two minutes with her, really, but I just really loved her. I don't think we do. I think she's only in the past. I feel like once they go back to the future, they find out that she died at some point. Oh, that sucks. Because I know that... I don't remember... I don't know that that's true. That's that's what I'm remembering. That doesn't mean that's true. Yeah. I... Maybe Twitter will tell us all the answers to these questions. Um, <laughs> although by the time this is up, maybe I'll be on book two. The problem right. is I'm, I'm listening to the audiobooks and I don't commute anymore. So yes. I get like five minutes a week where I'm out for a walk. Ugh. Yeah, I struggle with audiobooks if I'm not driving. Yeah. Like I have to be in the shower or cleaning. Otherwise, like I will tune it out. Yeah. And and, and focus on something else. Anyways, I think that's all the spoilers that I, I had. Uh, I, yeah, the streamlining of the book is honestly my favorite thing so far about this season. I wish somebody had made that suggestion to the book. So I have a question for you. And this, this is a show spoiler. Well, it's a show and a book spoiler. Okay. Um, and you can decide not to answer it if you don't want to. Okay. But you are halfway through, almost halfway through the first season. Yes. Has her father shown up yet? No. Oh, okay. Interesting. Which is like the book. He doesn't show up till the end of the book. I know, but they do get a significant amount of time together, it feels like. But right. it is towards the end of the so book. Where so where I am okay. in the show is they are just on their way to France. Oh, okay. Yep. So, oh, so you haven't even gotten to Philippe yet. No, I have not. That's, the end of episode we're going to hang up and I'm going to watch the Philippe go, episodes. Go, go. That's why, <laughs> okay. if you remember, when the screeners went up, we only had up to episode four. And yeah. So you know that they're on their way to France, but you don't get there. And I almost immediately texted you and was like, what a stupid place to cut us off. That's terrible. I want <laughs> Philippe now. Fair enough. Yeah, that's true. So, all right. Yeah, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to go watch episode two. Great. Because I need more and um, I can't wait to record our next episode about it and, and to just keep watching all of season two. So I'm excited also. And I think with that, we should wrap it up. So, mm-hmm. everyone listening, we would love to know what you think of season two so far. Tweet us at Desire Made Real. I'm Caitlin, and you can follow me and find my other shows on Twitter at Inferior Caitlin. And I am Mandy Kay, and you can find this show and all of the other Eloquent Gushing shows at eloquentgushing.com. Uh, we are also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. Or if you want to just give me a shout out, I am on Twitter at Mandy Kay. And join us next week as we talk about episode two, when Matthew gets an earring and Diana finally gets to talk to some women. Until we meet again, remember that with every ending, there is a new beginning.